All right, Matthew, welcome to episode 92 of the Performance Advantage podcast, where we bring sports science to the people with myself, Dr. Will O'Connor, and Dr. Matt Miller, aka MTB PhD. We're both sports scientists with oodles of experience within the field of applying sports science to the real world of mountain bike, triathlon, ultra endurance, trail running track cycling and everything in between what we like to do on this podcast is bring sports science to the people and today we're going to touch on the four things that are slowing you down and there there are a plethora of things that are actually slowing you down but these according to mr mtv phd are going to be some of the most important nemeses that you're going to face and so on this podcast we're going to get into that So I've been like writing this article. Is it, I guess the reason why I wanted to write this, it's just going to go on my blog, is I get kind of annoyed. Um, That's at... generally why you write articles. <laughs> Do you think? Is that why you write them? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'll get, um, I'll read something, either a blog or an Instagram post, or I'll get a question uh over whatever platform and i'm like oh i just need to i need to break this down yeah 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 i guess when i say annoyed i'm not like angrily typing three thousand words in the morning just like (laughs) i'm totally blacked out from everything else because i'm mad it's just like you know what like i think we need to be able to explain this because like especially with this article it's um i'm seeing People talk about these marginal, like extremely marginal gains. When actually there's bigger things that we can be focusing on, where we can get way more perf- like performance gains versus focusing on these tiny, tiny little things. So if we, the point of this article was to bring everything in and talk about it at one time to see how big, like one thing slowing you down compares to another thing slowing you down. Because as you say, like there's a lot of forces slowing us down. Yeah, I think the other thing I write blogs like this for like these more science based ones is the you go someone asks you a question or something and then you have a look you just do a quick google to send them something like oh no one's really explained this collectively yeah that they've kind of oh man the one that annoys me the most is why you should slow down like oh slowing down just makes you feel better and you can train more consistently you're like yeah but what's the science anyway (laughs) yeah well you know that is one of the problems because when i showed you this article like oh that's pretty technical well cool i could just write it super basic and then i wouldn't be mtb science right so um i'm sure people have talked about these like I, i call them the four trail nemeses i'm sure someone's written about these things but without that little extra explanation, uh, I guess we're not talking science, right? So what are they? Okay. So I got four things. If you know like a fifth one or sixth one or something, let me know. But I got, (laughs) let me scroll through this. Do you want to do a drum roll? Uh, No, it's not that big of a deal. I can try. Okay. That's not a drum roll, but that's okay. Um, We got gravity, right? Gravity is... um, one thing slowing us down. Another one is aerodynamic drag. 
or you could call it air resistance. I'll probably use the terms interchangeably. We have rolling resistance, which actually, like if we're thinking about a bike, we're thinking rolling resistance. If we're thinking about runners, we're probably thinking uh, friction. Or, uh, yeah, would you call it something else when you're talking about running, like the contact between your shoes and the ground? Ground contact time. Ground contact time. Okay. It's Ooh. it's one of those uh, uh, terms that probably covers like three different things, you know, because it, it can be specific to the shoe. So if you had a really mm. heavy trainer, it would absorb a lot with not a lot of recoil, so it would increase ground contact time then uh, but then if you had uh, like no shoes on there's essentially nothing absorbing you know there's no cushion underneath absorbing any of your forces but you were running in mud you'd have a really long ground contact time interesting that is slightly different than this i'm thinking you're running with um trail running shoes on the track kind and of that's thing. another thing oh so that would be the third one right so you kind of have three different points of all related. Con- I'm going to actually yeah. write that down. Three things related to one metric. Okay, hold on. I'm making a note. Three things. But you, I mean, rolling okay. resistance can be your tire or the, uh, it's, it's the same, right? Because you can have, uh, you can have the uh, pressure, like the air pressure in the tire, because you had flat tires, or you could have the tire itself. Or you could have the ground the tires rolling on yeah it's the same thing right ground contact time is a little bit different that's probably actually as closely related to braking which is the fourth trail nemesis it would be because um, you that's have... the biggest the big difference right is you are as a cyclist you have continuous contact with the ground yeah runners barely contact the ground I mean, the I do. What, differenti- what differentiates <laughs> running from walking is flight is the point at which there is no there is no contact with the ground. Yeah, because if you're race walking and you leave the ground, you are now you get a red flag or <laughs> We're, I can't. Do you the- classify like lumbering? That's what I'd say. I do, <laughs> and I'm lumbering around the forest where I'm in contact with the ground, but I look like my body it looks like it's running. Yeah, actually, I'm getting better. I'm getting better at running. I've been running every week. Uh, well, it's, okay. it's like everyone at the end of an ultra. You're like, I'm running. You're like, well, I can see both your feet on the ground. <laughs> you're like, you're doing the motion of running, but what you're doing is walking. Yeah, yeah. It would at that point. I think it's like it's like, do I walk or do I run? And like, either one hurts. Yeah, it's just <laughs> how do you just do what you do to move forward. Yeah, just just get there. Okay, so we got rolling resistance, which maybe not totally like. Okay, we'll we'll have to cover that another time. But then we also have braking. Okay, so obviously I love talking about braking. I actually love talking about all these things. Um, I wouldn't consider myself an expert on rolling resistance or aerodynamic drag, just because I think they're so mm, tiny, which is going to be kind of a theme here when we're talking about uh these four trail nemeses. So gravity, aerodynamics, rolling resistance, and braking, the four things slowing you down. And when I think about these, I'm thinking about them in a loop, right? So you you leave 
let's say on a bike or on when you're running, you leave the car or your house, you go and you go up a hill and you go down a hill and you come back and you might do that multiple times or you might do that only one time and you might go all different places. But these four trail nemeses are all slowing you down at different points along that loop. And sometimes it's a trade-off by where if you improve one, you're making the other worse. And some you can't fix at all. Some you can maybe throw money at the problem and make it a little bit better. You know, like a weight weenie or something. You can just buy something a little bit lighter. But then that's a trade-off for something else. And then others are like uh, something, something that you're actually doing. And you're in control of it. And you can actually fix it. So Okay. So I'm, uh, yeah, standing on the start line or getting ready to do my... <laughs> my training and you're at the car and you're about to like hit go on your garden yeah, yeah got an hour and i'm gonna end back at the car and uh what's what's happening like what of why am i slowing down well i'll tell you why you're not moving well <laughs> firstly i guess it's inertia but gravity gravity's probably the biggest one um you know gravity's acting on us all the time it's, it's what's yeah, kind forever. of keeping you you glued to the ground yeah um when you're at the end of an ultra lumbering and you just not right like Leans over yeah so the whole what you have to do is you have to fight gravity okay right so gravity's um, yep gravity's number one and actually like this is this is a huge force that we have to overcome to maybe get up a hill right and yep. we know that if we've ever like left the car and gone up a hill like it's hard work yeah right? so you you could push harder and that'll get you up faster um but the kind of the work that you have to do is related to the size of the hill and how heavy you are so if gravity is a constant was it 9.81 meters per second squared yes why is it harder to go up a hill it's the same gravity why is it harder to go up a hill? Wow, yeah. that's like such a basic question, but um, yeah, right. Okay, because like to to overcome to uh, to get up the hill, we have to produce work with our muscles. Yeah, right. So that's measured in joules. Now we can calculate how much work it takes to go up a hill based on how how much uh, vert we're gaining and how much we weigh. Right, so that's a set amount of work. Yeah. So if you weigh a hundred kgs and you're going up a hundred meter hill, yeah. Okay. Now we're actually starting to talk about bigger numbers, <laughs> but it's going to take a lot of um, a lot of work, a lot of joules to get you there. So you do a yeah, hundred energy. Yeah. Hundred meters times a hundred kgs times nine point eight one. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot. Like that's a yeah. lot of work. Um, obviously, like you can do that really slowly. Right, so if you go up a hill slowly, it's not that hard, right? Like if you walk up a hill. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's all relative, but for the sake of we got a good amount of fitness, it's it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not that hard. Like especially if, if I, you do it at the start versus the end. Yep. Like yeah, I mean, now we're starting to talk about fatigue, which obviously yeah. slows you down. I didn't put that in there as one of the four trail nemeses, so maybe that's number five. But it is like related a little bit differently so but you're not you really want... you're not talking about physiological components here you're talking about external forces that's right yeah yeah so, so 
you yeah. go up the hill and it's a set amount of work to go up the hill. So it doesn't matter like if you go fast or you go slow. The The work required to get up this hill is set. Yeah. So that's the mass times the gravity times the height. Okay. So it doesn't feel hard until you start to go faster. Right. So you have that set amount of work and you decrease the time, which means your power goes up because power is work divided by time. So our muscles kind of, you know, th they get tired when we have to do a lot of work really quickly. Yes. We talked about that when we talked about running to the donut shop. Remember that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. remember if I got the donut or you got the donut, but it's, maybe we both got the donut. It was, uh, it's dependent on, yeah, a lot of things. Anyway, so, so what you're saying is, um, it's not actually harder. You're not doing more work it's just generally that you're trying to do the work faster yeah and there is a minimum speed at which you need otherwise you just fall off your bike the uh yeah well I no guess it's still true. harder because i can do 100 meters on the flat easy like you can but i i have uh, athletes tell me this all the time they say i get to a hill and i can't stay under 200 watts mm-hmm like you can and i know you can because if you've ever tried to go up a hill totally blown you're going at less than 200 yeah. say you know that's your your endurance pace like if you're totally blown and you can't like get even close to your threshold you're going at 200 watts you got like you're, 40 you're rpm slower. in the <laughs> like yeah. yeah yeah i tried it the other day i was like totally blown from doing these hills i was like I was having a hard time staying under 200 watts, right? I've, I've been getting this zone creep where my zone keeps like suddenly my zone two becomes zone three. That's like yeah, yeah. the thing that we say you shouldn't do. I'm doing that. And um like, wow, it's actually, I, I don't think I can stay under 200 watts here. And uh, when I was tired, I sure could, right? Um, so I was like, yeah, okay, forget it, Matt. Um, but yeah, so... But gravity is what causes that. Like you can ride at 100 watts on the flat, but gravity isn't really a huge factor that you have to overcome. You have to cut. No, especially not on forces. a bike because you're being held up. Yeah, like you runners would have to overcome gravity on yeah. the flat. Like the, yeah, yeah. So like thing, a, right? a, it's you can hold a constant pace when you start a hill or effort, I should say quite easily especially if you're running to heart rate or power because you are already fighting gravity every time you lift off the ground and then now you're still fighting gravity but you just your stride length shortens and you're just not traveling as high but if you want to maintain pace i think part of it is you must be accelerating against a downward accelerating force right so now now you're getting a multiple it must be to the to the quad i'm not sure actually i guess what i'm thinking though is like when you're doing that like the, a one way to make it easier is to be lighter right since like the um the work required to overcome well we can calculate what the work that we would need to do mass times gravity times height so we can't reduce gravity and the height might be set so that's when you're running like you're raising your center mass a certain height or um, you're going up a hill that is a certain height, but you can change mass, right? And that's by being lighter. So then 
you have to produce less power to go the same speed because you don't have to do as much work. Yeah. Right. So when I'm thinking about these trail nemeses, I'm thinking about weight weenies that are trying to make things as light as possible. Yeah, makes sense. Where, so it's one it of those is one of the variables that is contributing to their absolute number. So Yeah. And it, it does make sense. Uh like so but we did like this whole episode on bike weight and like why bike weight doesn't matter. Uh yeah. things like that. It was consequentially borrowed that article. Um <laughs> and um not by us. <laughs> yeah, so like you can you can kind of throw money at this problem of having to fight gravity to a certain extent. But then it's like a trade-off where like how how light do you want to be? Like if you go for a run and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to take water, which I know you did <laughs> long ago when it was really hot. Like I can run real fast because suddenly I don't have to fight gravity as much. Yeah. Now, now I'm thirsty, right? And same with your bike. Like you can put on lighter tires or you could put on super lightweight handlebars that are potentially going to break like well there's actually not a ton of time that you can gain up this pretty long hill just by you know saving 300 grams or something like that is not a huge deal so sometimes that trade-off's not worth it so that's mostly what we talked about in that episode but like i think the example i gave from uh paul Mc dr paul mcdermott's study was you can save one second up a two and a half minute climb by saving 335 grams so yeah i have to like, pull out some of the articles of um on running because they they haven't really done abs they it's hard to really to um do it and running because you can't just add weight to, to like a bike you know which is a, a constant but they did use sand vests and showed at your general running pace economy was maintained for like a few kgs but there's a saying you know there's these sayings but it's like one kg of body weight is worth one minute for 10, over 10k. And so yeah. someone, we mentioned who within our department used to say that to me. And I was like, that just doesn't even make sense. Like yeah. otherwise, you know, uh, it just, it's just, yeah. Right. Well, I so I looked it, it up and depend, I was like, like oh. how much do you weigh? Economy though is like how it's work per liter of oxygen right so if you suddenly have to do more work because you weigh more well you're just going to go slower it's not going to change how much oxygen you need so economy you wouldn't expect to change but obviously you'd be going slower so that's really what you want is to like not go slower you want to not go slower. so just by losing weight as well doesn't necessarily mean you're like because you can get a greater compression of you know the lower leg spring which could increase recoil like if to a you know there may be a kg either way in which economy is not affected because you can compensate through uh the return of energy which is gained you know it all like like where is where is that weight where have you lost it yeah from? right 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 because if it's like dead weight is very different than yeah, I've got like no body fat. So if I'm losing it, I'm, I could potentially be losing functional muscle. Right. And that may just be negligible. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I guess when I think about weight, I think like it's obviously super important, but you can't go to extremes. 
because then something's just going to go wrong, whether it's with your body or with your equipment. Yeah. Shoes, shoes are the same because you can, they sit at the bottom of the pendulum, you know, which is your lower limb. So, I mean, that's a very different place to have weight than in, on your shoulders, say, or like a handheld 30 mil bottle of water. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, what are they? But then you, so you just run and bare feet and you get injured. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that, I'm like, that's an extreme that doesn't make sense. Like you wouldn't do it. So, okay. We, we, we talked about weight at length. So, um, obviously it's big, but just be careful. And that's kind of what I'd say. It's like, it's a huge thing slowing you down. Be careful. So then we got this thing, aerodynamic drag, which I'm going to try and fumble my way through. But it's, uh, with gravity, it's constant as well. Like it's, That's it's true. Like always going to be there, but it's going to, uh, I have these, um, these athletes are both doing the same race next weekend. And there's, uh, um, if you know Mount Monganui, there's like the base track, you know, which is undulating, um, trail. And it's only about two and a half kilometers long so what's that Matt? like a one and a half miles of um and you do it twice as part of a, a half marathon which is like 13 miles 21 k's so it's 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 like nothing and now it's like they're like oh it's going to be such a slow course i was like well you actually like you're only going to go slow on the uphills and the uphills are only going to be about a total of five percent of the entire race and then you have a downhill as well <laughs> right yeah. so in the end like you have what is it, it is going to be a slower section than if you were just on the flat pavement but it's not the be all and end all of like a completely you know throwaway race that is never going to be never has the potential to be fast um because yeah while you have to go slower in terms of you know in terms of pace speed because you've got to find the fix of gravity greater when you're traveling towards it i guess you get it on return on the down gravity becomes your friend yeah yeah it's it's constant so yeah. i think we yeah we do think about these things as like oh there's a you know there's this big uphill and for mountain biking especially there's this big downhill which has this huge potential to be able to gain considerable amounts of time if you you know took care of the effects of gravity on the way up yeah 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 and aerodynamics yeah okay so should we... think about aerodynamics um they probably should though why would they not think about aerodynamics I think about this because there's uh there's a quite a few runners have long hair, short distance runners. <laughs> and hairy legs too. Do you remember uh in this two thousand Sydney Olympics, Kathy Freeman had the full bodysuit? It had a head say, I don't remember. It she's um oh man, now I'm gonna test myself whether she was a four hundred or eight hundred or both. I think she won gold in both. Uh and she had like the f like full ankle to wrist yeah, i think i do remember it so yeah. there were a few people trying that and they, they tried the same thing in downhill mountain biking where like everyone was rocking lycra which just looks 
ridiculous. Like they had skin suits. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. you're they got me banned. They got like because it didn't look cool, which might be what happened in like track running. Because like you know, lycra's cool, but if you don't wear lycra regularly, you don't think that looks cool. You're well, like nothing. You know that. Um, they're called, you know, gimp suits if you're buying them for a dress-up party. Yeah. And <laughs> like, no one wants to see that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, like, you can't just, you can't wear, if it's not, it's, it creates a pretty large shift in, trend, like, tradition to just be seen, yeah. like, running shorts and a singlet vest to, to like, a full-on lycra suit well you know downhill's kind of gone that way right so they went from full-on lycra where like obviously they're going at really high speed so aerodynamics is really important and they went to like just crazy baggy stuff in the early 2000s or you know when we wore shorts down to our ankles (laughs) and like three sizes too big tops and they're just flapping in the wind like that actually is slower so because i asked um i think i asked you about this a while back I was like, why are they wearing such baggy clothes? But you said they got to have like two fingers distance. Yeah, I'm not sure what like the rule the skin is. Skin and the clothing. Yeah, it, I I'm not sure actually. That what would it is. that sounds like a UCI rule, <laughs> like right? a sock length thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. mid calf. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm not sure what the rules are, but. Like, obviously, there's this fine line between it needs to look cool and we want to go fast. So there's, they're like kind of <laughs> a fine line. This shouldn't be, this shouldn't be, right? Like, it should just be we need to go fast. Like, that's the goal. Like, yes. Well, that's why, like, you see downhillers now tucking in their shirts where they didn't really do that before. They're just like, let's look as cool as possible, which means as baggy as possible. Probably wearing dickies, you know? <laughs> that's like an era thing, uh, fashion. Um, but now it's like a little bit tighter. Obviously, they know they're going at really high speeds. Pants are like skinny jeans kind of thing. Um, but so this is this is what kind of brings me to aerodynamics. Is like, well, how important is it? Because now we're seeing the advent of these. Um, I'm not sure what you'd call them. These doohickeys that measure um, your frontal area and try and estimate like how aero you are at any given time. Have you seen yeah. those? Yeah. There's um, well, there's the oh, what are they called? What are the things on the airplane that is measuring aerodynamic drag? Um, actually, I'm not sure what they're called. They're like these little wind flappy things. They're tiny little. Sensors. They're not even flappy. They're just a, a nozzle. Yeah. Well, there's like a a reed kind of thing, almost like a what's inside of a saxophone. Yeah. So it's. Uh, <laughs> And, but they've, yeah, they've been trying to make those for, especially for time trial bikes. Uh, well, there's a bunch of companies making them now. And, and it's so, yeah, they're expensive and like you need the app. And I think some of them now read onto your Garmin or something like that. Yeah. You got to control a lot, you know, because if you're not controlling between measurements, it's like, what, what are you measuring? Yeah, I guess so. Like you'd have to be in the same position. So what these things do, like they know what your power is, but they're essentially trying to measure your frontal area because this is what's hitting the wind is Mm -hmm. your 
frontal area and you might see it written cda which is um your effectively that's what their the notation is in the equation for your frontal area um and that's what these so if you know your power and you know your speed then you can kind of estimate your frontal area so then you know if i put go in my drops or if i use this aero bike how much uh more t watts am i gaining yeah right so it's it's negligible it's like a few watts like a few seconds in a 40k tt when you're already super arrow like getting more arrow isn't going to make you go that much faster so i looked into it and this is where i started to look at some like real science that i did a few years ago where we we're measuring braking we we're estimating all these things like rolling resistance and aerodynamic drag and we're measuring like how much these were actually slowing you down at any given time we had like hundreds and hundreds of measurements and then we estimated aerodynamic drag and rolling resistance for every single short section of a ride right so in the end we estimated that uh you're losing 17 watts to drag uh that was for like a normal sized person riding on a mountain bike so 17 watts uh, of drag at 14 compared to just 17 watts so anytime you're moving yeah drag slowing you down oh Sorry, right we, we have, so we have if to you slice just, through yeah. the air yeah yeah so, so if you're traveling uh for all other things being constant your aerodynamic drag is going to cost you 17 watts yeah so if you take one pedal stroke away from your car to go do this loop and then you stop pedaling you're going to eventually come to a stop even on flat ground so this is where the everything else is acting against you so gravity's fighting against you aerodynamic drag's fighting against you rolling resistance is fighting against you you don't even touch your brakes you just come to a stop yeah right and then you gotcha. make sure you don't tip over because that's when you gotta worry about tipping over um so drag is slowing you down and that's just one of the reasons we have to pedal right so we have to pedal to continue to overcome drag the faster we go the more aerodynamics becomes important sure gotcha yeah so like if you're not going fast like if you're going up a climb the main thing you have to fight is gravity yeah right because you're going so slow that air resistance is relatively small but in the the numbers that uh, we calculated the average speed was about 14 kilometers per hour and at that speed on a mountain bike with you know kind of sitting upright you're losing 17 watts so is velocity squared like why is there uh increasing uh like aerodynamic drag increases with speed yes yeah why is it due to why? the density of air and as you move as you increase your speed you're having to i guess like are you hitting the dense like new air faster yeah right? i guess like, like I in the think... most simple way to think of it you can think about it as you're hitting more air per yes. unit time yeah true so you're like slicing through more air yeah so like, ow the, air ow ah uh, i got gotcha. you so, so the resistance because it's you're kind of accelerating into the density right so it's 
kind of no different than gravity which is squared as well so if you're going to accelerate into a downward accelerating force it's it's going to be a multiple i'm uh, i'm not sure if that's the right way to think about it but the equation is like um you multiply your frontal area times the air density times velocity squared times your distance and then you multiply that by 0.5 so it's like a kind of complicated equation but i think that doesn't matter like we're never going to go out there and calculate air dynamic drag what we essentially need to know is that it's always acting on us the faster we go the more it matters and we're always going to be losing um energy to drag so 17 watts of 14 k's per hour we let's just think about it like that um all we can do is potentially lose maybe 16 watts right or 15 watts you know or maybe 10 watts or something like that which is not a considerable difference so Over if you a think about time like there's a lot like i did some intervals the other day last yes. night right and i had one minute at 415 watts and then i was pretty gassed and then i had a minute and a half at 410 and i was like that's like the same thing it's not it's just, you know like at that point i mean that could have been a warm-up or something the warm-up effect not but then if it was 150 versus 155 same same you know because we we were operating yeah, yeah. like that's me operating at like i can't remember like 140 150 percent of my ftp so those small incremental increases in resistance is like is, it feels exponentially harder than yeah. like what is on the yeah I, I mean five watts out of 400 that's within the error that you'd expect from the device as well within the error that you'd expect like that's tiny that's a tiny now, those errors are, are one to two percent i don't say that's like well within it's like it's within one to two percent <laughs> uh it's between ones <laughs> okay so <laughs> i mean yeah so if you were like i, can't, I don't think you can just throw it like i'm not just throwing away five watts like if they're there yeah okay that that's a that is a great point but i think the main point here is like you're never going to get aerodynamic drag to zero so we, we see people like in the mountain bike world cup like putting their hands way down on their like the top of their fork which is like totally inefficient and uncomfortable and not to mention extremely unsafe way to ride a bike. I have a photo of you trying it. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. yeah, this is like a long time ago. I saw it the other day. It's sketchy, it, man. It, it looks is. ridiculous. It's sketchy. Um, you don't have any control. No control and you're potentially more arrow. But like, what are you going to crash? Like if you're on the ground, like you're going way slower than the one watt that you saved. I actually like how you uh, justified that it may be more aero because specialized riders were doing it and they had the specialized wind tunnel. So you're like, maybe they did test it. I, I like how you that. justify that. This is um, something they interviewed someone I, uh, 
at the Tour of Dubai as one of the great British riders. And uh, it was after the 2012 Olympics. And uh, he was like, you know, no socks. Do you think they should do it? Because so the British team wore no socks and they wore them at the World Championships in the lead up. And everyone was like, oh, my God, new, you know, because they were the marginal gains gurus. And uh, anyway, and the guy just said, because it was a couple of years later, you know, maybe 2014 or something. So, like, oh, no, we just did that to mess with everyone. It didn't make any difference at all. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I mean, even if you can just. But people like if you're at the top end, people are like that must be faster <laughs> because there's no way someone would one wear no socks and look that ridiculous or two take the risk to put their hands on their fork yeah crowns to like oh you just you great the, i mean there's this a perfect example of why we're talking about this now because okay if you can if you're at losing 17 watts let's just say that you're losing 17 watts if you could potentially lose only 16 watts by wearing no socks, like, do you really think like that's like the main thing when every, all these other things are hitting the wind and you're only losing 17 watts? Like to be, to be perfectly clear, 17 watts is not much. Like that is you lifting up something that weighs was 17 grams or whatever up a meter. Well, it's always going to be there. Like it's never going it to be is. zero. I think that's the that's an impo important point. So it's not like you can take your socks off and now you're like you've just saved seventeen watts. Exactly. So you that, might save you, one watt here and there, hmm. but it's always going to be there, right? Because you are slicing through the wind. So it's tiny. Is kind of the whole point, like. Don't fuss too much about aerodynamics, especially if you're like taking other people's lives in your hands to do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, to a point. It all happens to a point. Okay. Yes, but let's keep like all if I'm of seeing these thinking things... about triathlon. Like, if you don't have a time trial bike, you you can't stay in the aerodynamic, you know, tuck on your bars and that it makes a huge difference because you can drastically reduce your frontal area by having bars. yep totally agree plus you're going really fast and that's when it actually matters like if you're averaging 40 k's per hour obviously the energy you're losing to drag exponentially increases yes. so that's when it really starts to matter um when you're running maybe it doesn't actually matter because you're going pretty slow uh when you're mountain biking up a hill it probably doesn't matter uh, but when you start to go really really fast it actually does and that's kind of the the other point it's like well it's small but it only matters when you're going fast mm. yeah okay so i don't want to like make it seem like aerodynamics is nothing but compared to these other things it is what other things Okay. Rolling got, resistance? Yeah, next we got rolling resistance. So so we're going to use 19 mil tires mm -hmm. at 120 PSI. I don't think that's cool anymore. That used to be cool. Yeah, I know. I probably mentioned it before, but I had like this Continental... I don't even know what they were called then, but it was like a skinnier front one and a 
fatter back one. I think the front was like, it might have been a 17 or something, and the back one was a 19. Like, yeah. yeah, pump it up to 140. <laughs> like, are you sure? There's a lot of potholes around here. I run my mountain bike tires at like 17. <laughs> um, but like, luckily, I don't think anyone's actually doing that anymore with the super pumped up tires to i don't know what the goal was was the goal there to like reduce rolling resistance yeah it was because when i started triathlon and i got some carbon wheels now like high as possible one f- i had tubulars they're like oh tubulars you can do way higher what i thought the point of tubulars was to go lower well, who cares? <laughs> I had them at 140 and I was really wow. bouncing all over the New Zealand roads. Yeah. you like big chip. And then, then it slowly started transitioning from, yeah, like a 1921 mil tire at 140 to like a 25, maybe even a 28 for longer distance. Yeah, it depends on to like 90. <laughs> There's a massive difference. I remember just putting 25 mils on, so it's the width of your tire, and and running them at a lower pressure, being like, wow. Hmm. Like, that is so much more comfortable. Yeah. Like, I'm way more constant on my, like, speed and power output because I wasn't literally bouncing all over the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of imagining someone running, like, harder running shoes like skinny, hard running shoes just because I think it might be fast or something. Well, that's what sprinters do. Oh, right. Well, maybe The shorter they're... the distance, the, more the, the firmer the... They also wear so. spikes, which I always thought was weird because, like, you actually are digging into the ground. I can't remember if we talked about this. Yeah, we did. We did. You just won't... You will not get the traction trying to run, like, 60Ks an hour. Yeah, maybe for accelerating, I guess. Yeah. But for like running a 5k, do they still wear spikes? They still wear spikes. Yeah. Hmm. They're still running 25, 26k's an hour around a bend. Steady though? I don't know. Like, I always. We talked about this. It's, you know, when you're on the ground for 180 to 190 milliseconds. I just, I guess I kind of don't buy it yet. Cause if you think about like the road runner, the way the road runner runs is like spinning in wheels almost. It's essentially it's how you're running cartoon. Yeah. But this is essentially how you're running, right? It's just like, uh, but it, the point of contact is so, so small, mm-hmm. right? For a moving body that needs to apply force. It's just so much. I think, I think you're thinking about it in terms of a bike. And trying to translate that to a running like you go run around a corner fast like really fast yeah you see how hard it is to maintain yeah okay that's fine but uh we need to get i write that down get an expert on yeah okay sounds good all right so for rolling resistance when we're thinking about the tire so if we extrapolate these numbers from um the same exact data set uh, what we'll see is that anytime we're rolling, we're losing energy to this rolling resistance. And what's happening is the tires or your shoes or whatever are in contact with the ground 
and the energy becomes noise or they kind of fall apart a little bit. It's called fracture of the tire. So that's energy. Or the ground underneath you. Yes. Like if you're, you're on gravel or something and it displaces, you displaced it. Yep. 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 Exactly. Um, so that, um, that energy loss to rolling resistance can be calculated by mass, which is you and your bike times gravity times this rolling resistance constant, which you can kind of calculate. There's actually a few calculators online where you can calculate this mu uh, value, which is like a constant for your tire, um, which is pretty cool. So you can see like maybe which tire you might lose less energy to, which again, this one's a trade-off. This one's a trade-off. Where do they get mu, mu from? Um, well, what we did with, for our data set is we used a mu value from a study by Bertucchi. I think it's from a 2003 study. And then we just used that as a constant in the tires that we were using. But where are they getting their constant from? They did this like test with a ton of different tires. So I think what, and you'll see like there's a few. To base the constant off, is it? Yeah, well, you can do that if you have like a big roll. It's like a gigantic rolling drum. And if that's rolling at a certain speed, you know the energy. And then you can kind of see how the wheels roll ah, right, against gotcha. that or the tire. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And yeah. um, there are people doing like huge. We should probably get someone that does those kind of studies on as well because it's, it's pretty neat, like all this rolling resistance stuff. Um. But yeah, so we, we just used a constant and what I, again, I extrapolated a bit of this data, but you're losing about 40 watts or sorry, 68 watts, about 68 watts. So that's using our data set. So it's approximately 14 Ks per hour. You're losing now 40, weight, 40, 40 watts every meter, 68 joules every second or so. Yeah. So 68 watts. Um, because basically to calculate uh, the energy loss wrong resistance, it's done uh, per meter, actually. And then I worked it back oh, to okay. two joules. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. So that's actually a lot. And the point here is that mm. that's like, what is it, four times? Four times your aerodynamic drag? Yeah. So it's a huge amount like compared to aerodynamic drag, like you always hear people talking about uh, aerodynamics, but you don't often hear much about like trying to optimize rolling resistance. And that could be because like, it is a trade off. So I can reduce my rolling resistance down to extremely low by running like a slicks. I'm not and then it's probably not 120 psi on 19 mil tires It's somewhere something, you know, maybe it is a 25 at 90 psi and what actually ends up making more of a difference isn't the tread pattern especially on road tires it's the compound used so there's yep. an optimal kind of compound that can be used those little kind of lines that are in it don't really do much for rolling resistance yeah okay and then on a mountain bike it is a little bit similar where a lot a lot of it has to do with the compound use it's a real soft rubber they roll so slow yeah man my tires are so slow yeah, well, I did a, a study, well, a mini experiment looking at comparing tires. So I had these XC tires on versus downhill tires, and I rode up the hill at a controlled power. And yeah. I lost, I lost a minute 
like using XC race tires versus downhill tires up a 13 minute climb. Yeah. It's a lot. That is a lot. It's a lot. It a lot. Like it's it was almost 10%. Yeah, it it's it's a bit. So like obviously if you're racing up a hill you um you want the XC tires, right? <laughs> yeah. But if you're racing down the hill you probably want the downhill tires. Yeah. So when oh, you, I you, tell you what cuz you got me to put those downhill tires on my bike just cuz you know I'm not racing and uh oh the grip is phenomenal yeah it's out of this world it'd be be like you right like next time i put xc tires on to ride up the hill i'll be like wow (laughs) yeah it feels so different because i go back and forth um well i actually measured the how the tires go downhill too uh and i compared these exact same tires on the exact same descent and i was almost as fast with the xc tires on but they felt a lot sketchier yeah, it's because you pick up so speed so quickly because there's n- like minimal rolling resistance yeah, as soon gotcha. as you let off the brakes. Yeah, yeah. But then you can't slow down very quickly. Yeah. So you need to get on the brakes much earlier. So that was the biggest thing I noticed. I was like stopping. I was like, whoa, yeah. I'm, yeah, like, I'm in the second. corner, like real nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that is like the trade-off then with the tires is, yeah, I can roll faster, but I can't stop as fast. So what do you want to be doing? Do you want to be able to like stop really quickly, which obviously helps you go faster when you're going downhill? Or do you want to be able to roll really fast? And obviously you're not going to use slicks on a mountain bike because then you won't be able to make a turn. Yeah. So th- this is you where You need to get as slick off. as possible. I guess. I remember I went to Sea Otter a couple of years ago and one of the- The bike shop. Uh, yes. Trade show. Um, I was kind of like lurking around with my brake power meter prototype. And one of the guys in the team tent, he was, I saw him clipping his tires. I was like, oh, what are you doing? He's like, oh, there, there's no braking in this course for the downhill. I was like, you just like clipped off all the knobs. <laughs> so um, there is braking on the trail, guaranteed. And you, I'm not sure if I'd want to be running slick. He actually had to do it because it didn't quite fit in his frame. So he wasn't like super concerned. They're running some, trying some new things. Um, but there was, there's braking in that track. You're going so fast. Like you have to be able to slow down for some of the turns. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought that was pretty funny, but I guess rolling resistance is one of those things as well. Like it's always going to be there. Like even on a road tire, you're going to be losing energy to this rolling resistance. So you can fight it or kind of let it be your friend kind of thing what about the weight of the tire you know because that requires greater inertia it's kind of like a different weight because it's a moving weight than the frame weight or like your water bottle or yourself yeah well the nice thing about inertia yeah 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 because uh i think actually in this paper i sent it to you we had to calculate the inertia of the tire because where do I say? Oh yeah, it's in uh, equation seven. Where is this um, open access? Uh, no, but I can put a link to my research gate. Uh, a link on research gate. So like we have the change in energy, which we're looking at mass times uh, half mv square, but we're also adding in the inertia of the tire, which is related to how fast it's spinning 
and um, the mass and the radius. So radius is pretty important. But with inertia, once it starts rolling, it stays rolling, right? So if you have a heavier tire, it will tend to want to stay rolling at that same speed. It'll take you longer to get it up to that speed, but it will prefer to stay at that speed because it has more inertia. Okay, so, so on a road bike, that probably wouldn't really matter. Well, this is why like track What's... cyclists use super heavy aero wheels, where because they're going so fast, aerodynamics is way more important than this increased inertia. And they're not fighting gravity as much. Yeah, well, they want that wheel to keep moving yeah, once they yeah. get it moving. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. So we're not like super concerned about that. And it doesn't always have to be related to rolling resistance, right? Inertia. Because you could have like a super heavy, low profile tire. But like Which a track cyclist. Yeah. Like they're not going to have any rolling resistance. I mean, they have a hard wooden track with a <laughs> tire, like a rubber tire. At like a hundred something psi, so a nineteen at one hundred and forty. Yeah, like back to that one. Eh? <laughs> back to my triathlon tires. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't see a track cyclist worrying about like using tubeless tire. I don't know. Maybe they're not using tubeless tires. Yeah, are they? Yeah, I think they're using tubulars. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tubular. Yeah, sorry. I was getting confused. Because they're not like worried about absorbing those bumps, which mm -hmm. is also another place where you would be losing energy, which is not added in this article. Maybe it has to be added. But I guess with rolling resistance, it's always there. So we can make it better, but we, we just need to be careful that we don't make braking worse, which I guess braking is our final one. Well, it needs to be known right like so in in mountain biking especially and i probably gravel racing it, you know it needs to be considered like what are you doing what what is what's this is your only point of contact with the ground what's it doing what's its main goal for the race you have it or the ride you have ahead of you yeah I guess with like one of the issues is we're dealing with pneumatics here and weight is always such a concern that they just end up getting super flimsy. So you end up wanting to go with something that's like pretty robust and that be then becomes the concern, not the actual profile of the star. Mm, I had this uh, Mich Michelin race light three. I got because they were cheap. I was a student. I wanted to get these tires. I was obviously pumping them up too high. I got about like 14 punches every ride I went on. Uh, they were a lot of punctures. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much, I, I honestly had to throw them out after about two rides and about five punches. It was just ridiculous. The glass just like sliced them to pieces. Every, every, anything that wasn't any foreign object on the road, just like put a hole in them is so annoying yeah yeah tire problems are is a huge problem like it's almost like there should be some better way to like have contact with rocks this should just of having like rubber. how do we still have flat tires it's yeah like 2022 you know yeah you're like oh i got uh, i just like 
you know, for a professional, like, oh, I lost out on like $30,000 today because I got a flat tire. Yeah, because I ran over a bone or a staple. What a yeah. bummer. This, but I don't know a better solution than, you know, like tire technology has gotten way better. Yeah, it's not like people aren't out there trying to figure this thing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But who knows where that'll go. But I guess like people are thinking about it, but the ways to optimize it, it's, it's not easy to tell like, okay, which, which way am I going here when I change it? So that takes us to braking. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Right. So of our four trail nemeses, braking is actually slowing you down the most. By how much? A lot. So in this data set, it, uh, we're talking 17 watts-ish for aerodynamic drag, 68 watts-ish for rolling resistance, and 490 watts for braking. Over what distance? Oh, well. <laughs> I would have to um, extrapolate that again. So 2.7 over about uh, 1.7 meters. Okay. Uh, it makes sense. Braking is designed to slow you down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, like, this was obviously done when... Like, this was only measured when people were braking, right? Yes. So, obviously, if you're not braking, it's zero. <laughs> but we're braking a lot, like, especially when we're going down a hill. And this is the thing that's slowing us down the most, right? And it's the thing that we are in control of. Yes. Okay. So, so that's kind of the point. But I'd have to like, say, like, yes, Matt, of course, if you only measure it when we're slowing down, <sighs> it's going to be greater. But here, what we can see is we can see that... We can put this all in like relation to each other. Like aerodynamics is slowing us down a really tiny bit. Uh, rolling resistance is slowing us down a real tiny bit. But then when we start braking, that's what's slowing us down, right? That's a huge thing. Good. Um, yeah, which has not really been investigated enough, right? And that's what I'm trying to solve or what we're trying to solve at Brake Ace. Okay, and then your... And the, I know the reason you have this in here is because of those, uh, whatever it was, was it 300 and something watts? What'd you say? 400 and something? Yeah, almost 500. Let's just call it 500. 500 watts. You can get the 17 watts and the 68 watts like almost immediately because the capacity is there for, again, it's never going to be zero. There has to be some minimal or constant like or minimum uh, lost you have to slow down to go around a corner so but you could do it more effectively yeah that's kind of the point so like if we're super worried about aerodynamics well related in comparison to our braking it's not as big of a deal so let's instead save that 17-ish watts where where when we're going around a turn right because we could save more than that just by like taking a better line, practicing the way, practicing our techniques, um, getting some skills coaching. Uh, all the things actually, no one wants to do. Can't yeah, buy all, that. like actually. Can't, I, can't yes. get, I can't get that yeah. from Chain Reaction. Can't get that online. It's something that you need to continuously work on. And when we're looking at um, 
the way that we approach solving these problems and solving these things that slow us down. Like, yeah, we're training, but we can maybe be training a little bit better, right? We didn't need that pie, potentially. <laughs> uh, maybe you did. Um, and like, we don't, like, do we really need to be buying lighter, faster rolling tires when actually we could be maybe training better or braking smarter? Yeah. So this so, is where we're talking about our bigger gains here. I remember you saying you uh, took Emma and a bunch to this trail that you made down by our office. And didn't you say that it wasn't that um, someone, a more tentative rider or less skilled rider was braking more, they were braking longer, right? Didn't you say that Sam was like, just got on the brakes late and hard, which would be the same amount of watts to, though, right? Um, in general, like the the total energy used by the brakes is like not really a huge factor. Like if you climb up a hill, it might take you 200 joules of energy mm-hmm. and you go back down the hill on average, you're wasting 25% of that. Yeah. through the use of your brakes. So, yeah. okay, that's fine. But then it's the way that you use those, like get rid of those 50 joules, which yeah. then becomes heat inside your brake. So the fastest riders are doing all that work in a really short period of time, which means they're going faster before it. They dump all that speed and all that energy, and then they get to the speed that they want, and then they exit the turn. Where someone a little more tentative and maybe their skill level isn't, as good they're going to be like going expending that 50 joules like the whole way down yeah which means they're going slow yeah they're going slow slow the whole time time. yeah 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 so we're talking kind of a combination of power and where you dump that power for lack of a better term yeah so that's um, we we actually had to come with a, up with a more creative way to measure braking. It's not just energy, because it kind of has you have to know where you're getting rid of that energy as well. So we call that the flow score. Right. Yeah, which I guess is easier to measure or improve maybe. Like if I'm thinking about myself, right, and I'm thinking about the the track ahead, like well, there's 15 corners here. And I'm dumping watts at 15 times. So if I can dump less watts. It's free time. Yeah. It's literally free yeah. time. Like, yeah. As opposed to going, okay, I need to ensure that I tuck my head and like not wear socks. This is yeah. Or I put time. my hands on my fork crown. And hope that it's maintaining a lower like wattage output the entire time not that being so aerodynamically tucked is tightening all my muscles to the point that i'm losing overall like force production and efficiency yeah 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 totally so when we think about like the time that can be gained by doing all of these things there's probably more time to be gained in either like being lighter right being fitter or braking smarter. So aerodynamics is pretty tiny, and yeah, you can fix it. Rolling resistance 
is much bigger and that's a big trade-off and then this breaking weight and um fitness and we can we can control we're in total control of what happens yeah going back to um thinking about runners and not really considering aerodynamics oh except for um the people with the gimp suits <laughs> the um the sub two hour when they went behind the car that broke air resistance slightly um but in in the athletics track they um like if you're losing 17 watts on a bike at like 14 k's an hour or whatever it was uh runners even the fast just runners at aren't you know they're just not going consistently at much faster than that yeah so i don't so think so it would be pretty small i mean i'd imagine shaving your head versus having long hair would be incredibly small because it's an incredibly small part of the body as a whole it's like the bike right <laughs> Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, my frame's arrow, but like I'm 170 kgs. With long hair. <laughs> and baggy clothes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like a, a front front bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, handlebar bag on an aero bike. <laughs> yes. So... I guess like that's kind of what I wanted to get across is like the, yeah, like everything's slowing us down, but let's focus on the things that we, where we can get the biggest gains. That's, that's what I want to get across. Which is training and skills. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Matt. That was Thank enlightening. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening in. Uh, be sure to give us a rating. Spotify is just uh, released ratings and videos. So we're on video on Spotify, special release. We're, we're ahead of the game on that one. Uh, give us a five-star rating, please. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Dr. Will O'Connor at NTB underscore PhD and uh, sign up to our mailing list. So you're always in touch with what's going on in the world of the Performance Vantage podcast and me and Matt.